0: Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed.
1: If you had a choice between spending Christmas with family and loved ones or a relaxing vacation, which one would you take? So you won't see mom and dad over the holidays. Wow. But you'll be somewhere else. You'll be somewhere just relaxing with a pina colada in your hand, your toes in the sand.
0: I'll tell you this. I... I, (laughs) I have a feeling people are probably already dreading having to see family, although Mm. they were saying for two years how much they missed them. But I can only imagine traveling over the holidays, one, the price that you pay Mm -hmm. (laughs) to travel during that time, and two, the chaos that you go through at the airports and everywhere, that it's probably not all that relaxing.
1: Yeah, listen, as much as I joke about family being a complete pain in the arse, uh, I I couldn't imagine. It seems to me that uh, it would be a tad selfish, especially if, you know, the situation like you're in where your father-in-law has passed and, you know, there's just you. You're an only child. So for you and Adrian to, like, pack up and take off down south seems uh, probably Probably a little selfish. Well, they can have the kids. That's, that makes more sense. Now you're thinking more like me, brother. There you go. So even I have a bit of a heart and could see that uh, that would seem a little selfish. Now, if you've got extended family and everybody's still going to have somebody to be with over the holidays, then I guess it's fine right. to do so. It is It is funny when people are asked about their, their plans. So many say that uh, they look so forward to spending the holidays with their loved ones, and it's a highlight of their year. But if they could look behind door two and it was a vacation, a relaxing one, about the same amount of people say they'd take that as well.
0: Well, and and it's funny, too, because it all just, I think, depends on how far you have to travel to see family Mm -hmm. as well. Because for for many of these people, they're paying what would be a vacation price just to go Mm -hmm. see family at Christmas. That would probably irk for sure.
1: No, for sure. Uh, do you like a real Christmas tree? We, uh, we've we been doing it every year since the boys were quite young. Uh, I, I'm i hearing they're they're not cheap. Like everything, they've they've gone up in price, and it's because of shortage. You remember how we got really sick of... Uh, supply you, chain issues. Yeah, well, we got really sick of hearing you do your own research, and we got really sick of hearing you do you. Well, now I'm sick of hearing supply chain <laughs> issues. <laughs> I mean, the trees, they're in the ground. How can they, you know, anyhow... There's been some farms in the area, Christmas tree farms, that I've looked into who are closed for the season for one reason or another. One farm stating that the drought during the uh, summer really uh, caused them a lot of grief. But you would think they would have already had trees in the ground because they take a long time to grow.
0: Yeah, I don't think you just plant them in the spring and they're ready for Christmas. No,
1: no. I think like a Christmas tree farm, in the years I've been doing it and talking to people about it, it's, I mean, it's a real money maker. Like... When life was, I guess, normal, they'd be open on December first, and they'd shut her down at Christmas, we on the twenty third or so, or probably the twenty fourth. People still scattering at the last minute, but I would always kind of count. Always like to see how many people were coming and going. It mostly was a cash business, and you were paying anywhere. Well, I think when we first started going, they were probably like forty bucks or thirty bucks. Now they're eighty, ninety, and beyond. But um, I would count, and they'd be hauling out families out on the uh, the tractor and uh, everybody's sitting on haystacks and such and he, they'd go out and come back and go out and come back and they'd be going out and back maybe four or five times an hour type of thing and you know be hauling off six seven eight trees every hour uh-huh. to the tune of 80 bucks a tree cash dawn to dusk it was a good money maker uh but you got to wait for them damn trees to grow which would right. take the, i think somebody said up to like 20 years for them to get to like Christmas oh, tree, really? really? Yeah. So, I mean, you, if you go and you buy a plot of land and go, I'm going to turn this into a Christmas tree farm, well, you're broke for 25 years. But maybe <laughs> you go and you buy an existing farm, it's already got the rotation of the trees happening. Once, right. once it's up and running, then it's just a, you know, circle, circle, circle. But I don't know what's going on there. There's a shortage again
0: this year. There's a shortage. You think of too. Of, if, okay. These acres, you know, and listen, I'm perfectly and admit guilty of telling people how to do their jobs on a regular basis and assuming I might know. But you would think if you got a couple of acres allotted to this year's Christmas crop mm-hmm. and the things were getting a bit dry, you would head out there with some I don't know, water.
1: <laughs> Get the hose, Martha.
0: Get the hose. Get a bucket. Yeah. Well you will
1: if you've if you've ever gone, people who do it You'll see, like they'll have places sectioned off to say, you know, these trees are not available. Yeah, yet. so they, that's they next year's crop. They've got the yeah, everything's kind of you know, sliced up. Anyhow, so we're gonna go try to find a tree on Sunday, and we'll we'll see how that works. But if you haven't got your tree yet, and every year you get it, and as you roll towards Christmas, it starts to lose its luster. It starts losing its uh its pine cones and its needles and such. There are some tricks. They say that when you cut a fresh tree. When you get it home, before you throw it in the stand, take another inch or two off the bottom. That reopens the pores, because the minute you cut a live tree, those pores start, the sap starts to fill into those pores and basically seal them up. Whereas if you take another inch or two off and then get it into the water, the sap doesn't have a chance to to get into them pores. So I've never heard that one before. Cut and recut. Yeah. I mean, I've always heard um, like a million different things. You should put white sugar in with the water. It helps. You should put brown sugar, put ginger ale in. You know, I've tried all these different things, and I start to think, well, I don't think a farmer's field soil is made of sugar. (laughs) That would be an expensive farm and tasty. But, uh, so I just think as long as you get the water in as, as soon as possible and, uh, and get at it, uh, don't put it near vents, heat vents, that type of thing. Get them towards windows if you can. They like the sunlight. Gotcha. And, uh, and doors opening and closing. They like the uh, fresh air coming through at them. And of course, the, I guess the general rule with the water, and here's, I think, what you should do so you don't kill your Christmas tree. Water it! <laughs> Here's an idea. And they got all sorts of contraptions now. Because sometimes getting down under the tree, with, especially when you get got a lot of presents in there, yeah. it's a pain in the arse trying to get the water into the, the thing. But now they've got some that have funnels that come up the back of the tree, so you just okay. pour it into that type of thing um so yeah just get the water because <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what you'd use that funnel for <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: tree's not hydrated No, but craig is oh craig he's just fine thank you the day somebody comes to me and says we just figured it out <laughs> red wine will keep your tree alive for months <laughs> why is craig lying under the tree again <laughs> that tree's gonna be dead in two days if it takes my red wine away from me we're gonna have uh, headstones tickets for you and then we will see you at the phoenix on the 22nd we're gonna be down there tomorrow night To figure out who's driving, Lucky. You drive it again, or am I driving? I'll Uh, drive this time if you want. You're You're up. All right. Can you handle it, though? I don't know. This is the thing. I know you're not a good passenger. I'm not. Not at all. Especially when you're driving. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel bad because, you know, I don't want you to do all the driving, but I know your comfort level
0: Mm -hmm. is, you know, you're much happier behind the wheel. Well, because I know your patience level.
1: (laughs) I am 56. I have driven through the city yes, thousands and thousands oh, I know. and
0: thousands of times. We'll be all right. Hey, listen, I, I absolutely admit I'm a bad passenger. Mm. You know, but I've also been a passenger in a head-on collision.
1: So yeah, you've got to get past that.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so once divorced, you can still marry again. <laughs> you you don't have to be scarred you can. forever. You
0: try not to make the same mistakes.
1: You don't, <laughs> you don't have to be scarred over something forever, Lucky. We right. can move on. Hey, uh, how quickly if I watch this Megan and Harry thing today. Oh, how quickly do you think man. my eyes will be rolling into the back of my head with her and her annoying ways? I I don't know if you make it through the episode. I probably can't. I mean, just the the pining for attention this woman needs. Oh, and it'll just be a litany of complaints of how tough her life has been. I uh, I don't know that I can make it through.
0: They're, uh, they're they've they've had a couple of uh, trailers. That have been uh, dramatically edited, a hint at racism, and a war against Meghan. Of course. Uh, It's their latest effort to tell the world why they walked away from the royal life and moved to Southern California. As if we needed to know.
1: Didn't she already do this with Oprah? Haven't we already? Have, they've written a book. Yes, and told they told Oprah they can't stop.
0: Gonna, no, of course, because it's all, it's still all over headlines. And, and those anybody, trash people, entertainment you know, magazines sell based on this. Netflix sees the dollars in this. They know.
1: Yeah, no, of course they know. Of course it's, it's going to get a lot of uh, eyeballs. But it's like watching something again. We've heard it. What more can they say? yes she felt they were racist yes she felt they were after her yes harry didn't want the same thing to happen to her that happened to his mom they told us this story
0: right now you get to see it again on a paid service yeah now you get to
1: pay to see it you're gonna cancel my service (laughs)
2: Uh, Time Magazine,
1: they do this every year. Is a uh, Time even have a? Is there a magazine that even gets published anymore?
0: Yep. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's on the newsstands, but you yeah. don't see many of those anymore outside of maybe the airport.
1: It's funny actually. If you go into a
0: Shoppers Drug
1: Mart, all of them have a magazine and book section, and it's a lot of floor space. And I and I, sometimes if you're waiting for a prescription or something, I'll I'll go mosey over there and take a look. But I wonder, like, how many magazines. And books do they actually sell? They must. Shoppers Drug Mart is pretty successful. Floor space is expensive. They wouldn't give up that much of it for magazines and books if they didn't sell a few. Right. So people must
0: still be buying them. They must sell a lot of cosmetics as well because that's a big section. It's a huge When and you walk them, right in. Some of them are really fancied up. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I think a lot of the magazines that you see in there are now if not uh, monthly, quarterly, only just seeing as many weekly right. editions of things. I think they've they've had to cut back on a lot. I can't really tell you, the only times I've really ever been in there is to get the lottery tickets checked. That's where that checker usually right. is. Right, <laughs>
1: And it never works for me. I always take my tickets in, I'm scanning, nothing's happening. And then even when it does say uh, not a winner or whatever that, thing that comes up and says, I, I don't trust it. So I, go, I go to the cashier. <laughs> Can you check this again for me, please? And those poor women who have to work in cosmetics. I mean, I would want any other part of the store. I'd go work the post office before I had to work cosmetics because they got to say hello to everybody who comes in the
0: door. Yes, yeah. They're, they're, they're the kind of the greeter. greeter as well.
1: Yeah. So anyhow, Time Magazine, every, uh, every year around this time, they uh, put out their uh, person of the year.
0: And this year, Oh, uh, this makes sense. Ukraine president, President Zelensky. Yeah, and and the spirit of Ukraine as well. There's mm-hmm. a few other people that are named, I guess, in it or are or, or part of the, the win.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. And, I mean, one of the things, of course, is they thought he would just uh, pack and bail when uh, Russia invaded, but he didn't. He stuck around, and then the people of Ukraine really backed him, and uh, they were grabbing weapons wherever they could find them and uh, ran to defend their towns and cities. And actually, on Monday on Netflix, and I'll definitely watch this. Uh, David Letterman's uh, my next guest needs no introduction, is President Zelensky. Oh, is it really? Yeah. And that'll be on Monday. Only forty-four. That all he is, isn't yeah. Eh?
0: Wow. Actor, you know,
1: he was a comedian at one actor, point. Actor,
0: comedian. Yeah. Won the presidency.
1: Ukraine's Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gordy Johnson from Big Sugar with us uh, as we get set for Craig Benalecki's Unsilent Night at the Phoenix. It's going to be a great show. And we mentioned that it is an all-ages show, and maybe with the re-release of Heated 25 years later, are are you thinking that that is why you'll get kind of an intergenerational audience? It, it brings your music to a new audience now and a younger one?
2: I think it's one of the rare kinds of music that, you know, parents... You know, dads and sons and kids. You know, they can they can appreciate it. Uh, uh, you know, in the, in the same way. I don't I, I know what I don't know what that is, because not every band from every era can get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, list, I look at some of the music my my own kids listen to, and it's interesting what what echoes through the ages. I know my my son when he was twelve know about some Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. It's just, especially boys, you know, they they tune into that kind of stuff. My daughter listens to Yes and King Crimson oh. and then like Prague weird prog rock stuff.
1: Do you remember uh, the first show you took one of your kids to see, like outside of seeing a Big Sugar show?
2: My kids, of course, are rock and roll babies. They've been to hundreds of shows. Mm. But the first time I, on purpose, took... My son to a rock show, uh, we went to see Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 12 years old, and I hauled him off to, to go see Rush. They were playing in, uh, in Red Deer, Alberta. I'm, do you remember that there was a big flood out in Calgary 10 you know ten years ago? Yes. yes. There was a huge flood, uh, uh, and so their Calgary show got flooded out, and they turned it into a flood benefit, and they brought the show to Red Deer to the hockey arena there. Which is a great, like, just last-minute decision on the on the band's part. So, uh, kudos to to Rush for being quick on their feet and putting up a, a benefit show. Uh, but that was just down the road from our farm. We happened to be up at the farm in Alberta, and so I talked to. I know, I know, I know the guys. I talked to Al on the phone. He was like, "Oh yeah, man, bring your bring your kids. You know, come on, buy the show." So we got to spend the whole day at the arena with. Alex Lyson and stood up on stage and listened to Neil play drums and watched the whole sound check and we were the only guest (laughs) for the whole the whole, uh, in the whole arena we had our own little dressing room and palace max and it was like yeah buddy not everyone gets it to... <laughs> <laughs> no, doesn't happen but... like that
1: uh, i did want to mention to you uh Gordy, it's funny when i grabbed the heated uh cd again and i was looking at it i hadn't looked at it in some time and i don't know if anybody else has ever told you this but i'm looking at the cover and i go when did anthony ketis join big sugar <laughs> <laughs> That photo of you from i guess 98 uh you look you're almost yeah. a doppelganger for anthony ketis <laughs> i
2: I had not heard that. But, uh, Maybe I'm I... wrong. <laughs>
1: was,
2: was it because I was quite swanky on the cover? That
1: yeah, it's, it's a, a, <laughs> a great album cover for sure. And I did want to mention, because again, it's an all-ages show. Maybe with the kids, and we'll find out at the Phoenix, when you sing the scene and say, hey, do you want to get high? Those toddlers are going to lose it. <laughs>
2: Viewer discretion is advised. We'll put it that way. Um, You know, speaking of uh, the scene, what we're planning to do is um, we're going to play the entire record. Something we've never done, right? Like Mm -hmm. Even back in the day on the heated tour in 98, we didn't play the entire record in our show. You've got so many songs you you play in the night. But uh, on this tour, we're playing the heated record First song, all the way to the last song, hidden track, bonus material. We're going to play all of it in one set. So, uh, we'll do another set with the rest of all, you know, the other good, good ones, but we are going to do just a heated standalone set in in the show so that's
0: pretty cool oh that's fantastic and people love that of course you've got new stuff too eternity now just came out recently and this is this is a a whole new level of making music too what what has changed from the time you made it heated to to recording things now
2: well it's awfully nice to have my own recording studio on my own property right just you know (laughs) just walk down there and you know Pajama pants is like, it's not just special for COVID. I can make records <laughs> in pajamas any time. <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: yeah, you know, that must be a beautiful feeling. I know that uh, Dave Grohl says in his Storyteller book that when him and his wife bought a home, he didn't care what the house was like as long as there was a barn out back big enough that he could turn into a recording studio. So the same thing, you grab your coffee in the morning and you make your way down there and you spend your day and you work
2: at your own pace. You say in, in the morning? <laughs> 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 just for this, yeah, getting up in the morning. Yeah, right. Okay,
1: going to do that. A, a Budweiser at about four in the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just going to be so great. I uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you The volume still cranked to eleven, I would assume, at a big uh, sugar show.
2: Uh, yeah, but you know, technology allows us to to make a sound that's big and full and you know we're not out to hurt anybody <laughs> now for comparisons of big sugar and motorhead i don't think so <laughs> it's more like a, it's more like a reggae show loud you know like yeah. the bottom end is is pretty uh ominous but there, there shouldn't be anything like ear hurting no. going on then there's there's three of us you know it's decades the sounds got really tight and and refined and pretty dialed i think it's a more dynamic sound and show than than it's ever been just in terms of what we can do musically and being a, going back to being a three-piece band it allows me to play a lot more guitar which i'm kind of a fan yeah, awesome right.
1: yeah no Sorry. are we no, listen. Uh, like I said, listening to uh, the reissue of, of "Heated" over the weekend, it just sounds so great, and it's going to be even so much better live at the Phoenix on the ninth. Gordy Johnson, Big Sugar, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, you'll see me in the corner babysitting the children. I've got a little. I set up a little babysitting <laughs> booth in the corner. Lucky's buying rounds for everybody <laughs> at the drink out of his own.
0: Only the- if Craig babysits. I got to see this first.
1: So we will uh, we will see you at the Phoenix for Craig and Lucky's Unsilent Night with Big Sugar Gordy. Thank you so much.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Jennifer Lawrence is probably going to have to make a bit of an apology to a lot of female actors uh, that have come before her because she recently made a statement to Variety that she's going to need to uh, backpedal on. It wasn't really offensive; just kind of dumb. She says, I remember doing Hunger Games. Nobody ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie because it wouldn't work. Because we were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but boys cannot identify with a female lead. So basically what she's saying is before her, there was no female actors who had been action stars. Well, there's been a few. Yeah. Lots of them. Sigourney Weaver in Alien, Linda Hamilton in The Terminator, Angelina Jolie in Laura Croft. Yep. Uma Thurman in a little film series called Gil Bill. Uh-huh. Pam Grier's on line one from the 70s. She was Foxy Brown. They were all action female
0: mm-hmm. action stars. So that seems odd that she made that comment. Yeah, I think yeah, probably off the cuff and probably... I think she's... It's quite funny, as I've seen her in interviews. I don't think she's probably joking about that, but I think she's one of those who led the charge for female actors to be paid Mm -hmm. the same as male actors for lead roles. Yep. And perhaps gets a lot of questions thrown at her based on that.
1: She's also one of the few who uh, I I, I appreciate because she's Mm self-deprecating. She really can... uh, you know, make fun of herself, and if someone takes a shot at her, she, she rolls with it where so
0: many are so thin-skinned. She seems so genuine yeah. and funny in interviews. But as we were talking about yesterday, you don't really know people. You think you know them. Mm-hmm. You have no idea.
1: Uh, a list has been put together of uh, celebrities who made it big after being rejected from SNL, and there's quite a few of them. Jennifer Coolidge, she tried it out in 95 with Will Ferrell. Cherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan. Of course, four years later, she appeared as Stifler's mom in American Pie. Right. Um, Jim Carrey. He auditioned in 1980. He was only 18 years old. Really? Yeah. And I just saw the video of his audition. He doesn't look 18. He looks a lot older than 18. I mean, he doesn't. You know, I would have taken him for like 25, 26, something like that. You know.
0: Was well, this been a bit of before then? He went on to in Living Color. Ten years. Before. Really? Yes, yeah, so we didn't land Living Color till he was like
1: 28, 29. Lisa Kudrow tried out in 1990. Three years later, of course, she showed up in Mad About You and then, of course, went on to play Phoebe on Friends. Gina Davis auditioned in 84 between her gigs in Tootsie and The Fly. Mm. These are all people who auditioned and didn't uh, didn't get a gig, got rejected from SNL. Zach Galifianakis, he tried out in 99, ended up writing for the show for two weeks. <laughs> I guess he quit. <laughs> There are some who tell like some. There's a great book, the uh, the history of SNL, and the the way it's written. It's it's a it's a long book because the show's been around a long time, and they talk to almost everybody that's been on the show, and it's just really interesting to hear everybody's different take of their time there. Right. Like Julie Louise Dreyfus hated every second of it. Larry David hated it. Mm-hmm. That the one episode in Seinfeld where George quits and then goes back, hoping nobody even noticed he quit. You remember yeah. that, that episode? That's based on Larry David at SNL. Oh, really? He stormed out one night and said, I can't take this anymore, and he quit. And then his buddy said, well, now what are you going to do? You don't have a job. He said, no, well, no, I'll just go back tomorrow and act like I didn't quit. <laughs> and he went right back to his desk, and nobody said anything different. Uh, David Cross failed his audition in 92. Of course, he then went on to co-create Mr. Show with Bob Odenkirk. Because Bob Odenkirk was a, a writer there at SNL. Tiffany Haddish tried out in 2013. Kevin Hart auditioned in early 2000 and then kind of went on to be one of the biggest stand ups of all time. Mm-hmm. Ellie Kemper tried out in 08, a year before she got the office. And Stephen Colbert auditioned in 92. So, yeah, if you, uh, there is, I think, a lot of, uh, on YouTube, you can find a lot of those auditions from, from back in the day when these people were nobodies and trying to get their first gig.
0: Well, and you can understand how, you know, even in in all drafts and auditions, yeah. things are missed along the way. Yeah, uh, because it's an impressionable business, and it's basically, first impressions make a massive difference. And, and it all depends on what they're looking for at the time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and you know, I've I've heard people say of Jim Carrey and him
1: not getting SNL, it was because the uh, the producers and certain Lor- Lauren Michaels uh, directly probably looked at him and thought, this is just going to turn into the Jim Carrey show. Like, Mm. he's so talented. You know, this is an ensemble. We've all got to work together. Whereas when he got on Living Color, a fully or almost predominantly black cast, they needed a, a white guy. That's also part of the problem, too, in that you know, he was just another white guy. They probably already had enough white guys. Right. They, they, you know, you, you look at the cast, you need, you need some Asian, you need a black person, you need a black woman, a black man. And and so he, probably there was just enough white dudes already in that show. They didn't mm. need another one. But, uh, yeah, they all did just fine. They went on to do uh, more, bigger and better things. Damn, I didn't take my uh, cup of vodka out of the freezer quick enough. I like it to... What? I like to have my cup... I, well, I keep vodka here in the freezer at the Uh-oh. radio station. And I and I like it nice and cold, but it's it's not quite to my temperature. This
0: right. explains a lot, because I thought you were just walking back and forth to get water all the time.
1: No, no, it's vodka. Mm. It's good and good for you. Right. And the cops can't smell it on you. Sure. <laughs>
0: That's what I tell my children. Kids. Sure. It's the vodka. Ah, it's good, though. You should try it. Mm
1: like the first thing in the morning lovely
0: yeah i don't think that'll do it for me no no all right you stick with Knock that right back to sleep
1: that mud you're slinging back yeah
0: <laughs> protein shake oh is that what they're calling it yes there's a lot of baileys in there i think it <laughs> <laughs> would be a, that would be a neat neat mix actually
1: yeah you could do that
0: i'll take that yeah, yeah.
1: uh yeah So it's uh, Thursday morning. Hey, we're going to have Gordy Johnson join us this hour. What rock star ever gets up this early to talk to two morons on the radio? Well, Gordy will. We'll talk to him in a little bit. And, of course, we've got uh, Headstones tickets for you as the morning progresses. We get ready for that show on the 22nd. And then tomorrow night, we are back at the Phoenix
0: for uh, the Big Sugar Show. Craig and Lucky's on Silent Night. Right. And uh, tomorrow, I'm just reading, too, we've got more tickets as we've got a... uh, chance for you to get Bush tickets before they go on sale. So well, look at this. They're coming into town in February.
1: Look at this. We just played some Bush, too. Right. So, well, it's all coming together. so they were Bush X.
0: Well, yeah, briefly, right? When they first started out, there was some Canadian band uh, that was named Bush before, so yeah. they didn't have the rights to the name yet. Remember, I saw them
1: uh, open up. When you say them, it's really just uh, Gavin. Gavin Rossdale. It's, you know, it's one of those things where you, you couldn't if you had a gun to your head and said, name one other member of Bush, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do it. But uh, I saw them at the Bell Center in Montreal, and he did this, they did a cover of, uh, I think it was Come Together. Which, by the way, after now the Crown Lance has done it, that Come Together has got to be the most covered song of all time. Like, you think of the amount of bands who have done their own version of Come Together. Right. And, and really, though, they do their own version, but it, it never really strays that much from the original. You know, sometimes when bands do covers, they really try to change it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they all like to have that little little drum beat in the background going on.
1: Yeah. Well, again, with Gordy Johnson, on the uh, 25th uh, anniversary of uh, the reissue of Heated, they cover Wings, Let Me Roll It. And it's really a, a completely different take on the song. And I like that. There's sometimes I'll listen to, like on Spotify, they'll have, you can just punch in covers playlists and you'll get just a... A whole bunch of songs, uh, classic, uh, well-known songs, all done by different artists. And some of them are really good, and some of them even better than the original. Uh, We've had a couple of cases uh, of that. Um, But uh, with the come together, it just never seems to change much. Yet, I mean, Aerosmith did it and had a hit with it. Mm. Crownlands has done it. They're having a hit with it. It's really
0: good. I mean, it's a really good update. Um, But you're right. It doesn't sound too, too far. I guess it adds a little bit of their take yeah. to that song. Uh
1: so yeah Bush did it at the Bell Center, but Gavin walked the entire second uh, level playing guitar, walked through all the uh, aisles, the whole stadium. Oh really? Yeah, uh, playing guitar walking by everybody. And yeah, I'd never seen somebody do that before. I've seen like the president get mobbed. Oh, I'm sure there was security kind of around him. I saw Bon Jovi do a neat thing once uh, at the Air Canada Center where uh, John Bon Jovi would pop up uh, somehow they had set it up so that uh, he would just show up in different spots. Right. You know the lights were all down, so it was all just magic. But he would uh, be, you know, uh, left and then right and then front and then back and then he was up in the seats and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, he literally walked around the entire thing playing uh, Come Together. That was interesting. So when does this uh, Megan and Harry thing
0: start on Netflix? It uh, starts today. The oh first boy. three episodes come out today. I better take my medication
2: before I watch <laughs> that. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, ben, ben and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.